Welcome to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast, season three. And we couldn't come over this knoll to get any closer to them because their eyesight is so good. There's 11 of them. There's two lookouts in the cliffs above. We were just kind of pegged down behind this rock and we couldn't move. Where we discuss hunting and fishing. And I've had coyotes doing serenades on the run after two or three howls. They start howling, two or three of them. And you're trying to find them and they sound like, oh, you could tell they were running. Cooking and cleaning wild game. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you don't see the cow, you don't see the pig, you don't see, you know, you don't see the animal. Whereas in the woods, you know, you, I see Josh bring home the deer and skin the deer and pro- we process it together, you know, so you see it broken down. Whereas you don't know that when you go to a grocery store. So I, it is a lot of mental. Hits, misses, and everything in between. So he came into about 80 yards and then we dumped. Go ahead and say it. 26 rounds Ooh. before we finally killed it. 26 <laughs> rounds. Thank you for listening. This podcast brought to you by Predator Hunter Outdoors. Locally owned and operated out of Attica, Michigan, Predator Hunter Outdoors will keep you hunting when the sun goes down. Predator Hunter Outdoors has something for every budget and experience level, including lights, night vision, and thermal, as well as a full line of tripods, mounts, and predator calls. Look them up on Facebook and Instagram at Predator Hunter Outdoors, or visit their webpage at www.predatorhunteroutdoors.com. Enter the promo code LIGHT for 20% off light products and TRIPOD for 10% off tripods and mounts. Want to lengthen your time in the field and shorten your scouting time? Not only does the HuntWise app show you property boundaries, landowners' names, and in some cases even their phone number, but using the app will show you the wind direction on the map of the place you want to hunt. And the HuntCast feature shows peak movement times for various species, including predators. Get the HuntWise app at www.huntwise.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. For only $59.99 a year for Pro or $119.99 a year for Elite. Use promo code OVERDRIVE20 for 20% off an annual membership. Welcome back, everybody, to the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. It is me, Josh Mapes, tonight. And once again, not co-host, just good buddy here talking, Kevin Rott. What's going on, Kevin? I don't rate as co-host anymore? Not when it's just me and you. You're not a co-host. <laughs> we're we're okay. just friends talking. This is campfire okay. talk. All right. All right. I'm doing okay. I'm I'm doing. Busy. Busy. Why not in a good way either. Why is it always around October, November when we really want to be doing other things? It seems like everything gets super busy. You know, I've noticed that too. You know, I just, it, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's bad karma. I don't know. It just, <laughs> it seems that way for the past few years that, you know, like something will come up and either you're sick or you're too busy or whatever. Cause of stuff that you didn't anticipate all of a sudden is hitting you. It just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, Fubar. Well, I mean, like last year, I was doing a lot of like hour and a half long deer hunts. If you remember towards the end of the year, granted, it starts getting dark at like 530 at that point. But getting out of work at 2, 3 o'clock and just running to the tree. And it's like an hour and a half. Now, granted, at that point in time, that's really all you need because it seems like all the deer around here are pressured so much at that point that they're not moving until that last hour to two hours of daylight. So it works out. But like right now, it is the 17th of October. It's like 
in the 40s out there overcast day dude i was just mowing the neighbor's lawn because that is an adult responsibility that i took on upon myself <laughs> i thought we'd be done mowing lawns but i got out of work at 2 30 got home mowed her lawn and the whole time i'm going around circles around that lawn i'm like i can think of one more thing i would much two more things i'd much rather be doing one thing is family friendly and that's hunting the whole time going around that lawn. So I'm, I'm turning my phone over for this podcast so that I don't see any notifications off my cameras. It just feels like one of those killing nights. Oh yeah. man. like I have said several times, I've been wanting to get out bow hunting too. And I got some spots lined up to go, but with all the stuff I have going on, I haven't been able to get out. And then on top of that, you know, Fox season just opened up and I got at least half a dozen spots where people want me to come kill fox you should know by now that they're gone it's fox yeah (laughs) right fox season opened on the 15th at midnight right yep 12 a.m in the morning um michigan requirement small game license and fur harvester's license um in order to shoot fox but yeah every time we can go all summer and call in 100 fox and not be able to touch them right soon as october 14th at 11 59 p.m comes they have all abandoned the areas they're like gone (laughs) (laughs) but that being said the areas where they want me to come out i mean they have a food source there i mean they're preying on chickens and stuff like that so i'm more inclined to believe they'll probably still be around there and then a couple other areas i have around farms as well and i've seen them there recently so i know they're around so i'll just have to get out there yeah well, you've been out recently for coyotes, and you actually put one down the other night. So what's the story on that one? Well, yeah, put one down and hit another one. So okay. this is a property that I manage for predators. And when we were up in bear camp, the guy had told me that he was hearing them, seeing a bunch of tracks all over the farm. So um, I had some family stuff going on starting Thursday, so I figured, well, Wednesday might be my last chance to get out for a little while, so I went up there, got up there right at dark, and um, got out there, and uh, I knew generally the area that they were frequenting. He told me where he'd been seeing them and seeing the tracks and all that, and so I went out, headed over that area just after dark, um, got set up out there, and... I think I'd played some light distress for a while and didn't really see anything yet. And then the howling started. So they were howling in front of me to my left, to my right behind me all the ways off. Yeah. And you know, the spot you've been there with me. And, um, so they weren't terribly far away in front of me. The ones to the right were a ways off and the ones to the left weren't terribly far away. And the wind was in my favor. So I figured, okay, so I'll, I'll wait a little bit. If I remember right, I played uh, Tony Tebby's Coyote Playtime. Let that run for a while. And then I switched. Um, I, I take that back. I didn't switch over. I played that for a while. As I'm playing that, just as it finished up, I look to my right. I'm watching a small, like maybe two-acre field. Past that, it has a steep drop-off, goes down to a swamp. There's trails down there to the right of me. It opens up into his bigger field. I look over to my right and there's a bunch of deer out there. And sure enough, here come two coyotes coming in from that field to the right. So where they were further away, not where they were closer away. 
So I turned on, they started to go down into a ravine there that goes down towards that swamp rather than come towards me. So I turned on, um, oh gosh, what was that? I'd have to go back and look now. I don't remember, but I switched up sounds. Oh, it was TT finisher. Turned that on and they went, they went over a dip, but shortly after that dip, they popped back out. Now is that finisher? That's like a mouse distress or something, isn't it? Yes. Um, it's a rodent distress. Okay. And uh, so they popped up. They started paralleling that tree line, and then one started coming right towards me. Lined up on that one and shot, and I missed my first shot. It took off running, paralleling the wood line. How far was I, that shot? Well, that's the other thing. My batteries were dead in my uh, ABL, so I couldn't range it. But did if I had to guess... On? It, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> if I had to guess, I would say probably just over a hundred yards, not terribly far. And you missed. I missed. Kevin uh, rot. So it stopped. I barked it or lip squeaked. I don't even remember which. Uh, stopped it. Shot again. Hit it. It started spinning. I turned to get on the other one, and I looked and I couldn't see that one. Go back to that one, and it went down over the hill. I'm like crap, you know. Thinking, well, I hit it. I know I hit it. It was spinning, yipping, went over the hill. So I waited for a while. And I turn and look to my right again. And there's a coyote out there in that field again, standing there looking my way. So I line up on that one and took a shot and just dumped that one, just flattened it. Perfect. <laughs> the video you posted that one, he just yeah. legs all, I, all straight up. Yeah, and it was a longer <laughs> shot too. That one had to be probably 200 yards or better. Uh, yeah whatever so <laughs> i said okay that one's dead i have more howling all around i'll hang out here for a little bit and then i'll go look for that other one the first one i shot so i waited for a while and then i uh figured well it should be dead down there in that gully so i'll leave my gun here <laughs> walk I across see where that, this is going yeah <laughs> zombie dogs walk across the field get down and i mean it's thick stuff down in there you know what it looks like I'm it's, trying to think of where it is. You remember where you uh, called in that bobcat that you never seen? Yes. That's where it was. Okay. Okay. So I walk over there, look down over the edge and couldn't see anything. And of course it's like part of it's a tilled field with a bunch of brush. So I just start taking my flashlight and I'm working the edge, trying to see if I can find blood going down there so I can start blood trailing it. Get down to one end, see nothing. Go to the other end, didn't see anything. Go back again. All of a sudden, they hear something moving down there. I'm like, oh, something's moving. So I'm looking, wondering if it's a deer, raccoon, possum, whatever. I look, and it's that coyote, and he's standing up. And he was like, you know, biting at his side. Gut shot, I'd assume. It was a frontal shot. Oh. So what I think actually happened is I must have caught him, like, in the shoulder. Uh-huh. Yep. So he's standing there, so I'm like, well, crap. So now I got to go back and get my gun. So I hustled back across the field, come back, went back, never found them. So that one, I, I would like to think he's dead somewhere. More than likely. I don't know. I mean, that stuff's so thick down there. Once you get down in there, I mean, you ain't going to find it. You know, the landowner might find it. But that night, he actually left to go on a trip out of state. So I know he wasn't out there to find it. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, I went and collected the one that I killed. Like I said, that one was perfect. That was a nice looking coyote too. Um, and then uh, I did hear a couple more howls. I tried calling a little bit more and then I took my time walking out of there. 
and didn't see anything else that night. But I know there's a lot more out there, so as soon as I get the chance, I'll be back out there again. That was with the Grendel? That was with my Grendel, yep. Man, that's your baby. It is, but hey, I, I can only blame it on myself. I know it was me because <laughs> I anchored that second one, so I know yeah. the first one. I went back and looked at the video of that first one, and like I said, it was a frontal shot, and it looked to me like at the last second I pulled it slightly to, I think it would be my left, so I hit it on the right side. Okay. But, I mean, it rolled and spun, then went over that hill. I mean, in that short amount of time, because I was trying to get on the other one, I couldn't see exactly how it was acting. But I could see the hot spot on it when it was standing down below with my OTS. Yeah. So I, I knew I'm... I think the the frontal shot is my least favorite of all to take on a coyote. You know, the thing is, when it works, it works great. Yeah. But all it takes is you have a much smaller margin of error. Correct. And... I mean, unless you get lucky on that margin of error, I would say most of the coyotes that I've hit and that were runners and then maybe I didn't recover were probably on frontal shots, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, like you said, I think we did a measurement on one before when it was skinned, and if it's frontal, it's like what six five inches, six inches, maybe. It ain't much. It's not that much for if you pull it left or right, which we've seen videos of me doing the same thing. That daylight one that I missed in the hayfield this year, I pulled that one so far left I was off it. But if it was broadside, I would have either hit it forward or hit it back. And either way, it probably would have ended up in a recovered coyote, which I don't. I don't like knowing that I pull it. I just I'm. That's how I mean, I the nice thing, the nice thing is if you're off on elevation up or down, most of the time, if you're putting it like right at the base of the neck, which is right. what I like to do, chances are you're going to have a dead coyote. Yep. But if you pull it left or right, yeah, that's where it can turn into kind of a crap show. Yeah. I'd much rather him stop out there broadside about 80 yards and just right. look at you for a minute and be like, well, well that, I mean, that's what the one that I anchored was is broadside. Yeah. And that one just, it leveled it. It was perfect. <laughs> yeah, that was a good video. Those are my favorite ones when they die like that. Just flip over all four legs straight up in the sky, and you're like, oh, that one's done. Not even going to move. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think I've ever seen one of those get up and then, well, no, I bet you I have. I think I posted a video of one this year that did that. Just legs up, and then all of a sudden was up and spinning and running, and that's the one that I hit. It was the so, first one with that 75-grain VMAX. Years ago, when you were using just the Ruger M77, you said you were getting runoffs. And I remember one spot in between you and me that you got one in the daylight. Do you remember if that one was broadside or if that one was a frontal? The one where you had to come get me out? No, this was uh, after that. No, that one was a night shot with while I was using red lights. And honestly, I don't, I couldn't remember which direction that thing was that's been a while (laughs) yeah but at that point i was also shooting the 58 grain v max the most and that bullet in particular i had a lot of runners with now was it me or was it the bullet i could not ever say but there was one in particular that i i remember i called you about it or something i had called this spot for 57 minutes or something before one finally snuck in dead broadside dropped him and he got up and ran and i could smell him the whole time i was tracking him but Isn't then that I, wild yeah because they are <laughs> they stink like a nasty wet dog i mean every time you know when you're in the presence of a coyote which even last night walking out of deer woods i could smell a deer 
yeah like just walking out so that tells me that the, at least the deer presence in that area is enough to to get that smell out there but yeah i've i've smelled that a couple times tracking coyotes and you're like okay it's either somewhere nearby or at least ran through here and you can still smell it because they do some of them do stink pretty darn I rem- bad i remember one in particular that that's how i found it the same night i shot it too it wasn't like the day after and i don't it was a summertime coyote if i remember right and it was another a different property i was hunting but it had a gully in it like that and down in that bottom of that gully it had a bunch of really tall grass and i shot that coyote and it went right down into that gully and again i waited for a while before i started looking i went down there with a thermal and everything i couldn't find it so i happened to be doing a circle search and all of a sudden i caught the wind and i'm like that smells like a coyote so i just kind of <laughs> i kept going back and forth to where i'd smell it or not smell it basically followed the smell and pretty much darn near almost stepped on the thing in that tall grass see and that'll work for recovering deer too if you can get right. down into where you think it was you might be able to pick up the smell of it right man i you're bringing up old memories of coyote hunting with no idea what we were doing and <laughs> oh man i mean there's so many i mean you think about it from back when we first started you know i mean both in you know the coyote hunting part of it how much we've learned since then how much things have changed since then but i mean it's yeah it's amazing sometimes we were actually successful you know now if i go out for a full weekend i don't see something i'm like man something ain't right you know and then you do that two or three times in a row and you're like what the heck is wrong with me yeah but then you know it kicks back in but yeah i mean I mean, well, I remember the first time you and I hunted together where we called in that triple in the wintertime. Yeah, and I killed one, one and property. you missed one. I remember yep. that. <laughs> I remember that. But I, one thing I remember specifically about that is, you know, in the video that's on our YouTube channel. I got snot dripping out of my nose. Yep. But you commented, you <laughs> say, oh, Kevin's on the call or he really knows what he's doing. And then you went on to describe the hunt. But I remember specifically that you said, man, I wouldn't have set up that way. <laughs> I don't remember why, though. But that's the difference between me and you, though. We can both we can both look at a map and think of a different reason to set up somewhere. Right. We can both go out there and turn on a call and completely come up with a whole different call sequence. And in the end, no matter what we would do, we would have still called in the coyote. Right. You know, there's (laughs) we've talked about that a bunch of times on here before. It, It doesn't. You know, when I first picked up hand calls, it's like, man, I suck at hand calls. I don't sound good on hand calls. I don't think anything will come to them. And that's what I called in coyotes with for a long yep. time was hand calls. Because right. to us, even though it sounds like crap, it don't matter. Right. They're not the one we're trying to call in. Right. You know, and, and that's stuff we always used to think about. But, yeah, we can, you know, when every time I've come up there and gone hunting, you're like, okay, this is going to be the game plan. What do you think of this? And I'm like, dude, I don't care. <laughs> Let's just go hunting, you know, just like you. I, yeah. I, I'm easy to deal with. We'll, we'll go with the flow. Yeah. It's, I think between you and me, it's a lot of just trusting the other one's ability at this point, you know. And and I'm not one. I've been with Tony Tebby on a hunt where a guy was literally leading us to Tony Tebby's stands. I can't be that guy because Kevin knows Kevin's land. I know my land, the places that I hunt. So it's kind of trusting off of each other now 
But just going back, I don't know why I would have said I wouldn't have set up that way. Probably because it was so much open ground, and I just didn't feel like we were in tight enough cover at that point. But I've learned that as long as you're in the right spot at the right time, it really doesn't matter. They will come across a mile worth of open ground Oh yeah. if you're in the right spot. Yep. You know, so I, I don't know. There's been a ton of stuff that just anymore. I mean, this is kind of my personal opinion. You can agree or disagree. The challenge of calling in a coyote is not that challenging to me anymore. Do you agree to that or disagree? No, I disagree. See, I just feel like if I go out on a given night and I say I could probably kill one tonight, there's a good chance if I set up in enough spots and do what I need to do that at least I'm at least I'm going to call one in. Doesn't mean I'm going to kill it. But my confidence from back then to now, I'm like 95% confident if I'm going to take my time and go out there calling and I feel like it's going to be a good night, at least I'm going to call one in and see it. See, now I guess I, I have to retract that statement of disagreeing. I do agree that if I can get where the coyote is, yep. I have a pretty darn good chance of calling one in. Yep. Um, and that's based on, you know, them being there at the time. Now, this year in particular, and it happens, I think, every year to us to one degree or another, is you'll have some areas that, you know, coyotes are like crazy. You can't even hardly throw a stick without hitting coyote sign at a property. Yeah. Next year you go out there and you can't, you'll never hear one. You know, so that changes every year. And that's another advantage of having a lot of properties to hunt is um you know you can go where the activity is and like i said if i know there's coyotes around there i feel pretty confident i'll be able to call them in the only thing that's changed in that is some areas that are pressured more than others yep and then it's just a matter of changing up your game but i feel i feel pretty confident that if i know there's coyotes around there sooner or later i'm gonna get it right so i'll be able to get them right yeah and that's kind of what i meant i mean killing them still to me is a challenge because oh yeah Everybody that follows Overdrive Outdoors knows I'm not shy about telling you I've missed them, and right. I miss a lot of them. I don't I don't miss nearly as many as I used to, thank God, because right. it would be a waste of time going out there. But being able to know that, you know, going out there with that confidence that something's going to happen also, I think, makes you pay more attention because you have that much more faith. When I was sitting out there going, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I haven't well, called in a coyote in four years. Right. I mean, and the, the ability to sit there and be still and just watching for a coyote to be coming in gets harder and harder because you've never seen it. Right. And back then, too, I mean, is a, a case of we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing wrong for a long time. Yeah. You know, and that's why every now and then when you have a dry streak, you're like, man, you start rethinking everything you're doing. And you're like, am I doing something <laughs> wrong? You know, like something from back when I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And then you start you know, looking at the sat maps again, thinking about the layout of the property and thinking about the wind direction and like, okay, what am I doing wrong or what could I do different to get this to work? And sometimes yeah. it's just a case of, like I said, that area might not have a lot of coyotes at that time and they might not be in the area. Yeah. And to, to that point, you know, you said earlier that you have spots sometimes that you'll go and that you can't throw a stick without hitting one. And then the next year it's like, where the heck are they? This, I mean, um, to that point, I've also had spots where I've had permission 
And it's like, go there and go there and go there and go there. And you're like, I don't know if these people are even telling me the truth that they were seeing coyotes. And then all of a sudden, boom, one after another, you go there, you kill one, you go there, you call one in, you go there, you kill one. It, it's it, They constantly are moving. Like where right. they were last year does not mean they're going to be there this year. Oh, where, that... they, where they are next year <laughs> doesn't mean that they were anywhere nearby in the last two years. Or shoot, even if they were there yesterday, they might not be there today. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely been – I should have took better notes of all the stuff I screwed up at, at when I first started, you know, because now it's like you go in with a plan – and odds are, if the coyotes are there, you're at least going to see them. Or but, but we also have nights like that, like like you were just talking about. You got three different groups. You could have seen six, eight, ten different coyotes that night. Instead, you see two of them that are farther away than the close ones howling. Why did they show up and not the close ones? Well, that's the other thing, too, about that hunt last week, is that coyote that I anchored, I don't know if that was still one of the first two that i called in that might have been a different coyote did it come from the same area so looking at the field in front of me you have a wood line straight in front of me that comes to a point that's the ravine those coyotes came from the right they were cutting along that tree line and they were both at at say my 11 o'clock when i shot coming from the right you're saying where you had that video of all the pups going nuts Oh, they were, they probably came from there originally, Okay, but that, yeah, that was a complete opposite end of the field, but they came from that direction. Um, but so those coyotes came from right across the middle of that field. Remember when you and I are walking out there and you seen one, you thought it was a deer. It it was a deer. (laughs) (laughs) That was like my first weekend in thermal or something. Yeah, that was funnier than heck. <laughs> like, wait a minute, that deer just lifted its leg. <laughs> yeah, deer don't lift their leg to pee, so if you ever see that, it's not a deer. <laughs> right. They were at like my 11 o'clock, and they were close to each other. So I shot the first one, watched that one spin and do its thing. When I turned and looked, that other coyote had ran. That other coyote was running towards the ravine to the right, so angling off at like a 45. Okay. But the coyote that I ended up anchoring was facing to the left. Like it had just came from the right as well. So could that second coyote have ran down there, ran out into the field and turned around and was standing out there? Possibly. Yep. But like I said, I don't know if that was the same coyote or if that was a different one. Yeah. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. That one's dead. Yeah, that one's dead. It ain't going nowhere. Probably the first one's dead too. I hope so. If it yeah. how, how how close were you to it when you saw it standing there? Uh, you mean when it was down in the ravine? Yeah, I was at the top of the ravine. It was at the bottom, so what? Thirty yards. Oh, I definitely don't think that one's healthy. Then no, it was standing up though, but it was like biting, and I seen it move and it yipped. Um, yeah. But then, like I said, I went back, grabbed my gun, came back, and I could not find it again. Yeah, and you're not getting into that swamp either way, probably. No, that's some thick stuff. <laughs> that's bobcat territory up in yep. there. <laughs> which speak, stuff. Speaking of which, your deadline this year for getting your bobcat tag is what, October 24th? I believe that's what they say. Yeah, we I just posted it, get one. posted it on the page today. And just remember, your bobcat kill tags are free. Yeah, as long as you get a fur harvester, I think they just yep. come with it, don't they? 
it doesn't really come with it. You have to ask for a kill tag. I gotcha. Yeah, so you got till the twenty fourth, which leaves us about two weeks, seven days. Yeah, seven days to get your yep. your kill tag. I got mine already, but I think I'm going to set that up on that auto renewal, which I think is a really cool feature of the new DNR app, is you can auto renew tags and licenses. That's what I need to do with my fur harvester, so I don't ever forget to get it before I go right. trying to get a fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, um. Yeah, so we are 17 days into bow season, Kevin. Wow. We talked about it last week, and you said you were disappointed in me. The, yeah, disapp- the, the disappointment can continue, I guess. Not on purpose. Um, that has been my thing, and my wife keeps saying, bless her heart, are you going hunting tonight? Because we need meat. <laughs> like, okay, I'll go every time you tell me that. Um it has been, I know we kind of picked on it a little bit last week. Opening weekend was 83, 84 degrees hot. It was a Sunday on, on opening day. And yeah, that, so on October 1st, which is my, was my 35th birthday. I never miss an opening day. If I can help it, I'm always out there hunting on opening day. So I was out there opening day and I You're had only 35. Uh, yeah i'm feeling pretty old dude <laughs> feeling old broken decrepit and just falling apart anymore but i'll, I'll trade with you <laughs> no no thank you <laughs> i uh on opening day i had a plan to go into an area that i've been scouting and there's private land across the road and i don't know that anybody can access that private land for hunting it is a well i'm not going to say what kind of property it is but it's a it's a pretty well fenced off gated property and it's owned by a big conglomeration i could say that so i found a major trail crossing the road onto the public or off of the public going onto that private and i've been scouting it and i've been looking for sign in there before season and i hung a trail camera and almost every single day in the morning and in the evening you know within 2 hours of darkness either way there was always a group of does coming through there going across that road from in the morning, they were coming into the public to bed in the swamp back there. And in the evening they were going back across to the private. Probably I assume there's a food source back in there. Well, opening morning, I got into the tree at, I don't know, six o'clock, something like that. Six 15 didn't get light. I don't think it was legal until seven 20 or something in the morning, something like that. And, <laughs> About 6.45 on opening morning, I hear a vehicle coming down the road and it goes past the parking lot. And then I hear it backing up. And I'm like, okay, they're going back to the parking lot, probably hunting the same section. No big deal. I was there first. So if somebody's coming right at me with a light, I'm not afraid to shine and say, at least I'm here, you know, and what they do from there is their own choice. I know that if somebody shines a light at me though, I'm not continuing to move forward. I'm going back somewhere else. Well, I then hear bow cases sliding out of the truck and doors slamming. And I'm like, okay, they are getting out there at the parking lot, you know, and I'm 450 or 500 yards from the parking lot. And I had just walked down the road and cut in the woods. And I was only 67 steps off the road because I was waiting for him to cross and I was going to drill him right there. Well, about eight o'clock, I look up. And here comes a deer. 
there comes three deer and they're coming right to me right on the trail like they had been doing every morning to that point i'm sitting there waiting and the trail goes like 17 yards from me <laughs> all these deer jump the fence off the private hit the road and they all stop right there and they're looking down the road and they all turn around and jump the fence and run right back to where they came from i'm like okay i don't know if somebody's walking down the road or maybe those other hunters are getting out early i didn't know i sat there till 10 o'clock got down walked to the road <laughs> what it was was that guy had actually parked his truck on the side of the road between the parking area and me where all the deer crossed the road to come off the private onto the public and when they cross the road they're staring right at his truck they're not going to put up with that that's right. different so they all turned and left okay strike one opening day. <laughs> i went out that night i walked to a spot where i had thought that i had one bedded up um spot i had scouted and i same area where i've sent you the trail camera pictures from this year i thought i was on to that particular deer it took me two hours to walk 400 yards because i was tiptoeing my way through there and if you remember anybody remembers opening day in southwest michigan at least it was like dead calm humid just dripping sweat my whole way and trying to make sure that every step i took i wasn't stepping on a stick <laughs> this is this is a shame on me for not map scouting maybe a little bit more took me two hours to get into that spot i was 94 yards from the bed that i had marked out and i never heard a deer get up never saw a deer get up i'm feeling confident i put my bag down on the ground i start setting my sticks and all of a sudden i hear talking i'm like what the heck and i turn and look and like 75 yards from me, here's like a dozen horses going down a horse trail. I'm like, okay, well, I could have taken a horse trail all the way back in here, cut my time down by three quarters, and then just snuck in the backside like I just did, but made it take painstakingly long. I didn't see a deer that night, and the thermocell was running full blast. Um, mosquitoes were bad that night. So then I think I went... Maybe Monday night. Don't think I saw anything. Make a long story short, I'm 18 sits in already this season. We're on the 17th day. I have made it out 18 times in 17 days. That's a lot of hunting time. Up north for the Patreon uh, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast hunt, I walked 14 miles. I never saw a tail of a deer. I never heard a deer running. I never found a food source that they were actually targeting. I never found much buck sign. I never found any scrapes. And I never, ever found a spot that said, you should be sitting here. And that's kind of what I'm looking for in the early season is you should be sitting here because all these acorns are eating up. All these tracks are going to this mud hole or this water hole. Well, I think I mentioned it last week. I scouted three marshes with Tyler Manning one creek bed and i believe a pond and there was not a drip of water in any of those water sources at all there was a major river up there you know where we were now because i told you where we were yeah the big river up there yeah there's plenty of water there but if at that point i would have gone in there the mosquitoes were so bad already and the gnats the gnats were worse than mosquitoes 
But if I would have gone down on that riverbed, I think I would have just gotten eaten alive. So it wasn't even something that I was entertaining because if I, I'm out there to enjoy the hunt and I am not enjoying it when all you're hearing is all night long. I hate that sound. So <laughs> I sat, I ended up, finally ended up about 45 minutes northeast of where we were camping and where we were staying that weekend in an area that I've used to hunt before because my dad's property isn't too terribly far from there. So when we'd go up there, I'd go hunt the public land around the area. I knew there's usually oaks in there and I knew there's usually a good amount of deer in there. And I did end up finding the deer. Problem number one was I had another guy with me that was a newer hunter and I wanted to set him up on the spot where I thought he'd have the best luck. I've killed plenty of deer. I do not mind putting somebody else on one, especially in an area that I'm not going to be frequenting. I really don't care what happens in a three-day weekend. So I said, you know, I'd go here, look look around, but all the deer should be funneling through these two ridges because that's where they all were this morning. What happened was I drove back onto a two-track Friday morning. Yeah, Friday morning, I drove back on a two-track at 6 o'clock, and there wasn't a deer track on it because it had rained that whole night. When I came back out at 10.30, there was one area between two ridges that was, I mean, just hammered in deer tracks. I mean, probably, I, I'm guesstimating 20 deer's worth of tracks crossing that trail. That's a lot of deer tracks to be crossing on a public land two-track in one vicinity. So I set that guy up there. <laughs> long story short with that he didn't end up going anywhere near where i told him to go he ended up going a completely different way doing his own scouting which is cool whatever he didn't end up wanting to come back saturday and i didn't see anything friday night so i had gotten myself set up at five o'clock and it started downpouring at six and i said i up there at camp i don't have any access to a dryer i don't have any access to any way to dry my boots now, there were people with boot dryers there. They were all occupied, and I didn't bring my own, so it's nobody else's responsibility but my own at that point. I didn't have dry boots. I didn't have dry clothes. Saturday morning, I'm thinking I didn't know what to do because I knew it was going to be raining, but I figured if I went and set myself up on that same point where they had crossed the day before, if they were going to cross it again, I would be there. So I went and sat Saturday morning with, it was 20 mile an hour winds and rain just blowing in my face the whole time. And I ended up seeing two deer about a hundred yards away for about 0.25 milliseconds as they came out of the cut and then immediately turned and went right back into the clear cut. That's all I saw that whole night or that whole morning. And I sat there till 10 and I had been talking to my wife a little bit and she had mentioned going to see The Blind, which is a new Robertson family movie. If you've never heard of it, I would highly, highly recommend it. It is more of a Christian-based movie, which I knew is why my wife really wanted me to go see it. But there was a lot of stuff in that movie that made me, you know, she's holding my hand the whole movie and there was a lot of stuff that happened that she squeezed my hand and she said, that's you. And those moments kind of hurt to hear that that's me. Um, so I'd, re I'd recommend going and seeing that movie. It's very good. I'm, I'm not a Christian movie fan, but I will be buying that movie when it comes out because it's a story of a man who changed everything 
based on scenarios and the possibility of losing everything. I've been there. And to see it through somebody else's eyes and through somebody else's life, it, it was just a really good movie. So I decided Saturday morning sitting in that tree that Sunday looked like a good hunting day. So I went home Saturday from the Patreon hunt and said, I'm taking you out on your date tonight. We're going to go see the movie. <laughs> and I'm going to hunt all day on Sunday. Well, Saturday night while I'm out, the, out at the movie, <laughs> one of the biggest bucks I've had all year was working a scrape in daylight on public while, while I'm sitting in a movie. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> that's just how it goes. It, it is what it is. At least I know he's there. That's all I care about right now. Still alive. Yep. So Sunday morning, I went to a spot that I've got some time in at in the last couple of years. And I pulled in and there was two fresh gut piles in the driveway in the parking lot of where I was going. And I'm like, okay, well, these are fresh from yesterday. So I knew that there had been pressure in there the day before. <laughs> I, I go about 700 yards, set up my tree stand in the dark, get my stuff all pulled up, get my bow hooked up, get an arrow on. And I reach in my pocket and I'm looking for that one thing. The one thing that you hook on a string that you re draw your bow back with my release Guess where my release was, Kevin? In the truck? It was in my truck. So I get down in the dark, go all the way back 700 yards to the truck, get my release. Walk back out, sneak my way in. Still at that point, hadn't jumped anything, hadn't seen nothing. Didn't feel like I had screwed anything up. Sat in that tree for four hours, didn't see a deer. <laughs> Got down, packed all my stuff out, went back to the truck. Um... <laughs> then it was that night. I think it was that night. I had texted you. I had walked into a spot that I had active scrapes at on public. Hadn't gotten any people on these cameras at all. So I felt pretty good about it. I was getting buck activity. There was a ton of dropping oaks. <laughs> I go in hunting. Felt really good. Got in there quiet. Got in there clean. Didn't jump anything. There was fresh tracks going into the bedding area where I knew they bedded. Do you ever walk in scanning with your thermal or a light? No. With a light, yeah. I mean, I'm always wearing a flashlight as long as it's dark right. out. Thermal to me, yes, I could, but it, at that point, it's just another thing to carry around, and I don't... I already carry enough crap. Okay. So I just I just don't carry it. Um. So there was tracks going into the bedding area. I was set up upwind of the bedding area on the Oak Ridge where I thought they were all going to be at. Sat there all night. Didn't see anything. <laughs> Get down. And I pulled my trail camera that night. I got a Tacticam Reveal X back there that was on the scrape, working good. Walk all the way out. And just as I'm getting towards the truck, I see other truck lights turn on. So I wasn't the only one in there that night. Somebody else had come in after me. Which, it, it's whatever. It's public land. It's part of what I deal with. <laughs> I get, like, literally five feet from my truck. I was walking just normal because I'm right at my truck, and I did not see the stump on the ground. So I kicked the stump, fell over forward, threw my bow in the dirt, snapped the antenna off the top of my Tacticam, and <laughs> just sat there for a minute like... You're a dummy. You just slammed. I, I slammed my bow sight into the ground. 
Like it was full of dirt. You know, that's not good for him, right? Yeah. And you told me that you, you said I should be like a stress tester. That should be my next job as a stress tester. If anybody has products that they don't think can be broken, send them to me. I will break them. I, I guarantee it. Testing technician. <laughs> so, so I sat there and I'm just like, you know, you're a dummy. You're almost to your truck. You just slammed your bow sight into the ground. You just broke your cell cam antenna off. <sighs> Deep breaths. It's only the beginning of season. Um, Last night was the first night. Hey, did you get that antenna fixed? I did, but I'm having problems. I can't get it to connect even with a new antenna. <laughs> well, if if I'm sitting at my house, so I ordered a two-pack off of Amazon that was on the reveal page, the reveal users page um, in the recommendations when I search for antenna. I ordered a two-pack of them, and sitting at my house, I get three bars. Then I ordered, well, then I took it out with me when I went hunting, and I had found like a half a dozen scrapes in one area. I sat up for, I was only set up for 20 minutes. I think this was Monday night. I was only set up for 20 minutes and I had a three point come in. So up north, I had passed up a spike, which was number one illegal for the APR standards in that unit. And I've just never shot a spike. And I really, no matter what situation I'm in, I just don't see me doing it. I have no interest. My heart is what tells me that I need to shoot that deer. And if my if I can see a deer coming and not get my heart racing, then I I don't even grab the bow most of the time. I grab the camera now. So I passed up that spike legally and just with my own decision. Then down here where there's no APR, that first set, I have a three-point come in. And he tempted me at like eight yards for like 20 minutes broadside. And I'm like... You're lucky, man, because I got cameras in here, and I know there's way bigger than you. Your daddy's out here, and I know it. Watched him walk by, and that was only like 5.15, so I still had two two hours and 15 minutes or so that I could see. I'm like, he is not going to be the only one by here that night. Sure enough, he was the only one by here that night. Passed him up. Then I went out scouting. Me and my brother went out uh, Saturday night, my brother Kyle. And I sent him north, I went south. We were both just looking for sign, going to set up on it and hunt. I found two good scrapes. I jumped up a buck out of a bedding area that I didn't know was a bedding area. It was actually quite open to be a bedding area, but it was all like scrub brush, just oaks where they had clear cut before. And I jumped him up. He was a probably two and a half year old eight point that was decently wide, but his tines were like minuscule. They were just mini. So I watched him walk away, well, run away from me, and I decided I was just going to keep on scouting farther east where I hadn't been yet. And I ended up finding two fresh scrapes. I don't think I found any rubs, but with the scrapes in the area and the fact that it had rained Friday and Saturday almost all day, I'm like, I'm going to sit on these scrapes because they haven't been opened up since the rain. I'm going to be on them when they come out to work them for the first time. That night, I ended up passing up a four-point at getting bigger every time then yeah by one point i mean (laughs) four more bucks and i should finally be at an eight point you know and and i'm not it is unlike me to sit there and pass deer after deer after deer it really is but i'm to that point now and this is no 
no judgment on anybody, no saying what you should do, but I have killed enough of those little bucks that they just don't get me going anymore. Now, if I were to have one come in and just start raking a tree and thrashing brush and making scrapes, that might change because the situation and the experience at that point is different. If I feel like shooting it, I'm going to shoot it. If my heart tells me to shoot it, I'm going to shoot it. And I will feel bad for nobody that cries about the size of the animal because I don't care at that point. So, so I pass up a four point and you know, I've been just looking for does. Like this whole time I'm looking for does. Finally at like 7.15 as I'm about to climb down because I get down almost every night I get down before legal light is over. But that's because I can no longer see in the woods. And I really hate the fact that most of the time, if you sit until dark, it's about dark when they start walking all over you. And you, I don't want to get down at that point because I don't want to spook them all off. You want to be trapped in your tree. Right, exactly. And I have before. I've sat in a tree for up to three hours after dark before until the deer moved off because I was not, at that point, I was hunting private and I was not allowed to get down until the deer were gone. And I've kind of just trained myself to be that way because if I end up back in that area, I don't want them automatically suspicious of that one location. So, so if I, it was like 7.15 that night after I passed up the four point, I hear running and here comes this doe just flying out of this thick area. And I thought I could hear more steps back there, but we're, we're talking like, I think it was like the 14th or 15th of October. At that point, a doe running by me really doesn't get me that excited because she could be running from a coyote. She could be running from another hunter getting out of the woods. But thinking that it was a buck behind her, I, I didn't think that was a possibility. But I did think that I kept hearing walking over there. But eventually it got to the point where it was so dark and I, I hadn't heard it in a while that I just climbed down and nothing ran away. So I don't think I, don't think I was hearing another deer. Um yesterday not yesterday sunday night i decided i was going to go to the private land that we've got permission to be at and i've talked to you about this i don't choose to go there because it's a it's kind of an easy spot i mean i don't have i don't feel like i'm working for anything when i go out there most of the time i'm set up within 50 to 100 yards of where i parked and these deer are there so frequently that it's just not I would rather take the kids there and know that they, they have a good chance of having a good hunt than me going there and taking what I consider to be a free ride, like an easy pass at one. Granted, it's not always easy because the deer got to do what you want them to do. That night I was sitting, I could see my truck within 75 yards of me. I'm sitting over the edge of this uh, big dirt mound, basically, and it drops down to a creek bed, but there's a bench there. And that bench, I have a camera on. And every single day, there's deer on that camera. I mean, morning, noon, night, all night long, it doesn't matter. There's deer there every single day. The day before, which was Saturday night, there was deer on that camera from 345 until dark. And including shooter bucks that I would have shot, no, no doubt about it. So I told my wife Sunday... Well, no, let's get back a little bit. So I'm sitting in the woods on Saturday and my phone starts going off with camera pictures on scrapes that I've got. And I think I briefly mentioned last week about a system that I've been watching. And I finally figured it out after four years that it, of how it works, how the deer use it. 
but I need to keep myself out of there until towards the end of October, beginning of November. That's when it heats up the best, and there's always big ones in there. I've had a camera on that ridge system since January or February on scrapes that deer have hit year-round and have not stopped. I mean, the activity's been consistent on those scrapes the whole year, but the mature or bigger you know, older bucks don't come in there usually until about the 23rd, 24th of October, and they'll be there for about a week, and then it just drops right back off. <laughs> so Saturday, I start getting pictures, and the first one is a guy standing in front of my scrape, and I'm like, okay, public land, I can't do anything about it, nor do I care, but I didn't know what was going on. So then I get another picture. He's moved off a little bit. Then I get a picture where he's behind a tree on the other side of this scrape. And then I, I get pictures for like 10 or 15 minutes of this guy just hanging out around this scrape. And I'm like, well, I don't know if he's trying to set up to hunt it or what he's doing. Meanwhile, another scrape's going off with another guy standing in the middle of the scrape. Now, I don't, I'm not judging anybody because people learn their own way. I, I learned a lot by what I saw on TV what I heard through people, what I read in magazines, and a lot of that information is crap. It is there to sell <laughs> you products. Do you agree or disagree, Kevin? I. It's, it's also you, you, you have to take it instance by instance. I it, mean, yeah, and, it's also and, based on location, right? You know, so so I get this pick. I get. Now I've within 20 minutes of each other, I got two people standing in my mock scrapes that have been working and they're both pawed up to the point where you shouldn't touch them. <laughs> so, so the next morning, Sunday morning, I'm getting up to go hunting. And again, guys, I'm not trying to judge anybody. You learn how you learn, but it just it really throws a damper sometimes. Like, man, what are you doing standing in the scrape? That you can see them work. They're there's clearly tracks in it and they're working it. <laughs> so the next morning I wake up and I've got a picture of a deer on that scrape. But at the same time, now I've got something else glowing back at me from the tree that that dude was hanging around at. So I'm like, look, I put a camera up looking right at my camera. <laughs> so I hunted Sunday morning, didn't see any deer. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to go out. This is the ridge that I'm talking about that I don't, I didn't want to go to at all until the end of October. <laughs> I go out there and immediately, because I was just going to pull my camera. I'm not going to sit there and get the same pictures as this dude, because at that point, I don't think we're doing anybody any favors. I'll let him have it. If he wants to have it, have it. I'll find the deer. <laughs> so I go out there Saturday, Sunday after the hunt in the morning. And immediately I walk up over that ridge and I see this big old glob on the tree. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And I get closer. And what it was, was that guy had taken burlap and wrapped it around the tree, all around his camera strap, as if to camouflage it. But if you're going to camouflage it, it better probably match what you're camouflaging it against. So you can't put like dark camo around like a popple tree because it doesn't match. So it's immediately like picked out from a hundred yards away. Again, I'm not judging. I don't care. Do it your way, but it throws a damper in some stuff. So, so I pulled my camera and I've got my cameras on video mode. 
So I took it home and I'm like, I'm just going to see, you know, all the videos from what's been going on here the last two months since the last time I checked it. And I wanted to see what he was doing. Well, I got video of that guy going by the scrape and you can see him physically like, like feeling the wind direction with his finger. And then he's like talking himself through where he wants to put stuff. And then he walks away. Well, then I get a video of him taking this burlap out of his backpack, cutting the store wrapper off of it, which tells you that that thing stinks. Burlap out of the package does not smell good. Right. Then he wraps his camera up in it all around the strap and everything. Then he leaves. And like two minutes later, I get a video of him again coming onto the scrape and pouring tinks all over it. And then he's. At any point, did it look like he's seen your camera or no? At the very first video I got, I don't see how he did not because he's looking right at it in the video. And it's on a wide open tree. I mean, it's not one that I've hidden up high or anything. It's just right there. And he was standing within probably two feet of it looking right at it. I don't know how he didn't, if he didn't. But either way, then I get him pouring tinks all over the scrape. And then as he's walking away, he's pouring a little bit of it at a time all over where he's walked all the way out of frame. Dude watches too much TV. <laughs> it's, okay, so my biggest problem with this is most deer are going to come into that scrape from which direction? Downwind. They want to smell it. Now downwind, no matter where they go, is going to be this brand new package of burlap fresh out of the package from the store. And that's what I was getting to say. Sunday morning, I wake up to a picture of a deer walking towards his camera. And I pulled the video, and it was a probably two-and-a-half-year-old eight-point walking up to that camera. And the minute he sticks his nose up by that camera, that deer bolts and is gone. That has not happened up there in nine months of me having a camera on that system on that scrape. Now, all of a sudden, there's a foreign odor there. Plus, he poured tinks all over it. Like, there is no reason to pour scent into an already working scrape. Let them just keep working it. You know what I mean? Mock scrapes, you have to start them. That's when you do stuff. When you can see that it's already pawed up, the branch is all twisted around, that's not the time to start messing with it. Just let them have it and kill them on it when they're using it normally. Either way, it was just frustrating, Kevin. And like I said, I don't... I will shake that dude's hand if he drags one out. I'll help him drag one out of there if he gets one. But I don't see it happening now because I believe now it's wrecked with too much foreign scent in an area that they've not had it. You know what I mean? So, again, I'm not judging. I'm not trying to be an asshole to anybody. Everybody learns how they learn. But that is not the way to do it. So, So I ended up hunting last night, which was... Monday the 16th and I went into a different location kind of snuck my way around where I believe them to be bedded and in the canopy it always gets darker earlier than legal light I mean to the point where you can't see your pins that's usually when I'm ready to get down is when I can't look and see any glow from my pins without the use of a pin light I feel like it's probably to the point where I should get down now last night i sat there and i sat there and i was feeling good the entire time kevin i mean it was one of those nights where you sit there and it just getting to that point and you're like any second one's gonna start walking out here and i'm gonna hear it and they did 
but it wasn't until seven o'clock and I could see one coming up out of the swamp where I knew they were probably bedded at. Well, then that thing takes off running and another one comes running up over the hill. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm pretty sure that one's another doe. And it ended up finally, you know, they stood for 10 minutes eating acorns in one spot at 30 yards, but they were completely covered in brush. I could just see their bodies twisting back and forth in the brush. And I'm like, you know, looking down at my phone, like they got to hurry up. If they're going to get here, when I can shoot them, they have to stop eating and start moving. Well, they didn't start moving until like 7, 15, 7, 17. I don't know. You could still see plenty of light in the sky if you looked up, but it wasn't getting down here to the ground. Right. <laughs> so finally, this one starts walking towards me. And I mean, I put nose jammer on my boots, which if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's like a vanilla. It, it smells like vanilla, straight up vanilla, basically. I put it on my boots and this deer's got its head down right where I had walked and it's following it right to my tree. And I can tell at this point, it's a big doe. That's all I've been wanting. I come to full draw as it's coming out behind the tree, 10 yards broadside. I can see my pin on it. But at the same time, I can no longer tell if my peep sight is lined up with my eye and the sights. I've got a kisser button. I've got a peep sight. Now, that peep sight has to be able to take in some kind of some kind of light to be able to see through it. So I was sitting there. I bet I was at full draw for probably 45 seconds on this thing, standing there dead broadside. And I have the pin where I wanted to kill it. But if you're high or low on your peep sight, you're going to flub that shot or you're going to wound it and it got to the point where i was like you know what it's a work night and i can't be out here tracking one for six hours and two miles and trying to run it you know catch up to this thing i let down the bow and watched it walk away and that is the closest i have come yet to killing a deer so every time you're getting closer and you're seeing bigger deer so it's coming dude it is kicking my butt like, luckily for me, my wife is very understanding and allows me to go and she wants the meat just the same. But I don't think, you know, I, I talked about this a little on the page the other day. And if you saw, there's a lot of comments saying the same thing. We have so many acorns down here right now that I don't know how to narrow down which tree I need to be hunting because all those deer will, a lot of times they're going to bed around those trees because they don't, where do they have to go from there? They, all they're worried about is eating and, and security. If they can lay there and watch and smell everybody around them or anybody coming in, it did exactly what they needed. They get to eat and they, they feel safe. But if you run in there and bust them all out, yes, that might be the spot that you need to be. And yes, some of those deer or others might come to that tree, but I haven't found that tree yet. And I'm telling you, you cannot walk through these woods without rolling around on acorns. It is nuts. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but i've heard the same about apple trees this year that, that the apple crop is huge um i know a couple different people who said their apple trees have actually split in half because of the weight of the apples this year so i mean if if there's this much food just laying around though this is where i really struggle because i just you know i'm i'm sitting hot sign every single time as as much as i can you know and i'm seeing deer but where I was getting pictures of 10, 11, 12 does at a time and a bachelor group of four or five bucks, 
I'm going in there and seeing zero deer. Like, you know, they're around, you can tell their tracks are around. They've been through here. You get pictures of them, but where are they going that I'm not finding them? And that is where I'm struggling. One of the things that I always struggle with is do you chase the deer or sign or do you find a spot with good sign and just sit it over and over and over again? No. So I didn't finish. Oh, go ahead. Why do you got to be like that? <laughs> so if they're off, put it this way, you're at a buffet table, right? You have steak, you have lobster, you have crab legs, you have shrimp. You really like steak. So you're going to start with that steak. But when you're done with that steak, you're going to go over and dive into the shrimp. Mm -hmm. So if you find a spot right now that looks like it hasn't been being hit, but it has all the stuff they are hitting, would you sit that spot over and over again? Or would you, knowing that, you know, they're going to deplete the food at that source and maybe come to this source? Or do you prefer to keep bouncing around? I prefer to keep bouncing around. Just because I got so used to sitting on private land and seeing the same crap over and over and over and over and over that I can't, I can't get myself to do it anymore, but it has burned me multiple times because I'm almost too mobile. Like right now here, I'm going to hold this up for you. Tell me if you could see this. That's right now. That's where I was last night. That is a a shooter (laughs) eight point that I would kill right now if you walked by me. Um, but no, I, last year, same thing burned me. And I've talked about it before, like during my rutcation report podcast that I was doing last year, I talked about the fact that I chase camera Intel so much that it makes me stupid. And you know, what's here today probably isn't going to be here tomorrow just because it was here today. That that's past information, no matter how I look at it. Even if I get that picture right now, that's now done. It's over. That happened. Pictures and tracks show you where they were, not where they are. Right, exactly. So last year, had I have put two days in a row in on one particular spot, I would have killed a good one or at least had an opportunity at a good one. But instead, I went there one day because I got pictures the day before, didn't see any deer, and then said, well, screw it. I'm not going to sit here again tomorrow. And of course, while I'm sitting somewhere else, now that camera's got deer all over it. You know, so, so yeah, no, I don't prefer to go back to the same spot and just sit there i can't stand doing that because if you get to two three four days of sitting there not seeing anything then i really have just felt like i've wasted time um my preferred way is literally go out as early as i can and just walk start walking start you know i we're always looking at hunt wise maps topography stuff like that when i when I get new spots in my mind that I want to go check out, I just go into them with my stand and everything on my back. And as soon as I start seeing that there's deer activity in there, usually I'll set up and see what happens. And a lot of times it just, <laughs> it certainly doesn't seem to work in my favor, <laughs> but no, I mean, oh yeah, it will. I mean, that camera that I just showed you that picture off of, that was where I was last night. I put that camera up on my way into the tree last night. So that tells me that it's in the right area. But guess what? I was there last night. I wasn't there tonight. Right. You know, and now there's a shooter standing on that scrape at at 645. So it wasn't very long ago. Shootable, shootable light, Kevin. (laughs) So no, it, uh, yeah, at this point last year, I was talking to my dad about the other day. I already had three does dead at this point. 
And this year I've only drawn, I've only taken my bow off the holder one time. And that was last night, Monday the 16th. But I just know I'm just going to keep on putting in my time and it'll happen. Yep. That's all I can do. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I've seen a lot of success picks though. A lot of people killing good deer. Um, So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like it's, no deer around i mean a lot of people said i killed every doe that ever lived last year and right now in my area i kind of feel like maybe i did i know i didn't but (laughs) i'm just not on top of them you know so i don't know keep on trying keep on struggling and is what it is right that's why they call it hunting yeah i'll have a deer report eventually i'll have a i'll have a deer story darn it i should have had one tonight but i was mowing a lawn and recording this for all of you guys (laughs) (laughs) kevin i got one more thing to follow up yep the build setting behind you Mm -hmm. okay what can you tell us about that setup so this um for a customer that you know he told me what he wanted and the way i do that is you know they have to buy the components and then pay me to assemble them and his goal was to have an AR-10 as light as he could possibly get it in 22250. So I helped him choose some of the components, um, got it ordered. Uh, still waiting on two components right now. I'm waiting on a uh, mag catch because the one I got for it isn't long enough, which is weird. And then waiting for a JP high pressure bolt. But it's a, I think that's an 18 inch carbon fiber uh, 22250 barrel made okay. by BSF. Um, it's got a B Kings AR 10 upper and lower receiver on it. Side charge? And, no, it's traditional. Gosh. Uh, because the different, the reason why is the difference in the weight. Um, the just the side charge lower is like over a pound where this whole upper and lower is you know just over a pound so there's quite a bit of difference in weight between that uh receiver sets between the side charge and the traditional style um then we've got he's got a um handguard and stock and buffer tube all made by smoke composites which is carbon fiber as well okay we have a titanium bolt carrier in it he has a timney match trigger and i think it's an ergo grip on it um and i weighed it yesterday and there's not gonna be much of a difference in weight when i just add the bolt catch to it but as it sits right now it's under seven pounds it's like 6.97 pounds that is light for an ar-10 that is pretty darn light now obviously he'll be putting a suppressor on it he'll be putting you know his optic of choice on it that'll bring the weight up a bit but still for the base gun being at like right around the seven pounds for an AR-10 is pretty darn good. Now let's break that down though, based on cost for, for like my build 243. I know what that costs. Where are we sitting around a build like this with a lot of carbon fiber? I don't know. He bought the handguards, the um, stock and buffer tube, grip, trigger and barrel. He paid for that himself and just had it shipped to me. So I don't know what he has into that. Okay. But I know like the receiver, the like the titanium bolt carrier itself is up there. I think that was like 
300 bucks for the titanium bolt carrier group um and the rest is all small stuff so i mean the receiver set the upper and lower together i think that was between three and four hundred for that so there's 600 between the bolt carrier group and just the receiver <laughs> what about that barrel i don't know what those barrels cost honestly okay. Um, I've never looked at BSF barrels before. I've never used them before, so I don't know, but being that's a carbon fiber barrel for an AR-10, if I had to guess, I would probably guess it to be between six and 800 bucks. Now, is that a heavy barrel or a noodle one? No, it's a standard profile. Okay. I mean, it has a 875 diameter at the gas block and it yep. seems to maintain that diameter, but with it being carbon fiber, it is lighter than, you know, if it was all steel. Yeah. Definitely looks like it'd be a nice, a little nicer to carry around. Yeah, it does. I think it's going to be nice and light when it's done. Um, you know, like I said, he chose the components. I gave him, you know, my recommendations for some of the parts to complete the lower and the upper. Um, and then I told him, you know, it's got an Armaspec. Um, what do they call that? Say Armaspec um, buffer system in it. I'm trying yep. to remember what they call theirs. It's a stealth buffer system in it. Um, so that was a recommendation we're going to try. And then uh, it's a Breek Arms charging handle on it. Um, a lot of the lower components, uh, as I know, it has a Geisley selector on it. And then I think a lot of the rest of the components are made by Battle Arms Development. So, I mean, even like we put a, uh, a carbon fiber dust cover on it yep. as an example. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, sub seven pounds. And I th I think as long as it shoots good, I think that's going to be a heck of a gun. Yeah. And I know BSF is supposed to be really good quality. I know a couple other guys that use their barrels and have had good results out of them. And, you know, I gave this one my special treatment of truing the receiver face and um, uh, betting the barrel. But I will say this. I don't necessarily think I needed to on this because the fitment of that upper receiver to the barrel is really tight, like almost to the point where I, I was borderline having to do a thermal fit on it. Yep. Oh, so, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of bedding in it, but I still prefer to do that after truing the receiver face. What is a thermal fit? So thermal fit is because the tolerances are so tight. Usually what you have to do is put the barrel in a freezer okay. like overnight and yep. then take like a hairdryer or a heat gun and warm up the receiver. So you get that receiver to expand and the barrel to contract, then you put it together. And then when that cools, I mean, it's tight. It's like locked up. Yeah. You're not going to get that thing back off accidentally. No. no. And um, <laughs> it was borderline of being to that level, which is good to see. I like to see that fitment in a receiver set. Yeah. We've done uh, I remember a certain part, that I did, I had to make like a bushing for it, but it needed to be a press fit bushing and it needed to be like tight, tight tolerances. And we put it in the freezer overnight at work and slipped it in and then just let it warm back up. And I was like, you're never, you're never moving that thing. I seen a uh, millwright do that on a die cutting press at one of the places I used to work. He had to fit a, um, basically a drive shaft into this press and he had to put a raceway in it and it wouldn't fit. So he actually had us run down to a shop store and get dry ice. Mm -hmm. And he packed that shaft in dry ice. And I'd never seen this before, but if you pack something that's metal and dry ice, it'll actually start humming. Oh, really? 
I'd never heard of that before. And he's like, yeah, watch this. He packs it in there. And pretty soon you hear this, you know, humming sound. I'm like, holy cow, that's pretty wild. Is that the metal reacting to it? Yeah. And then, uh, man, he slapped it together good. And and that sucker was tight. It wasn't going anywhere. I've had to do that with AK barrels before when I've installed them because they're so tight. And then most of your AK barrels are either threaded or pinned. Um, On the pinned ones, I've had somewhere I've had to thermal fit them like that and then drive the pin in on them too. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's going to be a really nice setup when it's all done. And like I said, I'm just waiting on a JP high pressure bolt and a, uh, a uh, longer magazine catch. And that should be, everything should be ready to test fire. Now, is he going to be shooting factory loads or don't you know? I Probably. believe, I believe he'll be shooting factory loads out of it. Yeah. I don't think that this particular customer does any hand loading. I could be wrong, but I don't think he does. Gotcha. Oh, and it looks then, like a good setup. Yeah, it'll be nice. Um, I, I've ne- I've done only one or two other builds with the carbon fiber hand guards. I've never used them for one because they are expensive. Two, I I still don't trust carbon fiber for like a direct mount reuse for most of our hunting. Even though everyone says they should be fine, I've just never done it because I kind of don't trust it, and they're usually expensive as heck. Yeah, but I did a. Uh, ar-15 for a guy in 204 at one time and that's what he went with was a carbon fiber handguard and stock and i mean that when we were done with that barrel he went with a light profile lilja barrel on that one and it was pretty wild because when we got done with it that thing was crazy light and then he promptly put a big old vortex scope on it with a 45 degree <laughs> offset and a red dot and everything else and mounts that looked like they were carved out of a brick um, which upped the weight on it but i mean it was still light, but once you had all that stuff on there, it made it, you know, a lot heavier than right. what you originally had it as. Right. No, that should be a coyote smoker by the time you're done with it. Oh, yeah. I'm anxious to, like I said, I'm anxious to test fire, get it tuned, and then get it to him and see what he does with it, you know. Yeah. 22 250 is a darn good cartridge. Um, I It's funny because I personally don't own one. I own one for all of, like, a week. And then I ended up getting rid of it. Um, that was a bolt action gun. Um, I mean, I've helped people several 22 250s and they all seem to really love them. And I mean, it's a great cartridge. So, I mean, it, it should do the job good. It's coming out fast, right? Yeah. A 22 250 with a, if you're shooting like a lightweight bullet, like say 45, 55, somewhere in there, you're probably pushing with a longer barrel like a standard 20 inch or 22 inch, you'd probably be pushing close to 4,000 feet per second. Um, with this 18 inch barrel, if I had to guess, I'm thinking he's probably going to be pushing 36, 3,800. That's still smoking. Oh yeah. That's, also, <laughs> that's why people like them though. Cause they're fast and flat. You know, a lot right. of people like that whole velocity kills thing. Yeah. Well, and they see, I don't know that I've ever seen a coyote get hit with a 22, 250 that took it very well. <laughs> you know yeah, i've I seen mean, a lot of videos of them and it's like right. it seems like it hits them pretty hard so with the bolt in the right place it does a good job yeah well cool anything any other plans for the rest of the week uh taking care of stuff here at home and if i'm able to i'd like to get out and do some hunting but i don't know if i'll be able to or not i got you nope i'm gonna see what the weather looks like for the rest of the week now that i got shooter on camera tonight at daylight in cold, front coming, cold front coming through tomorrow god good because i will be out there tomorrow night then it's probably going to be windy but it's supposed to rain too 
Well, at least I got access to a dryer here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this one up. This one, uh, kind of more of a BS session between me and Kevin, kind of a follow-up on last week. So if you listen to last week's or if you didn't listen to last week's, go and listen to that one where we recap Kevin's bear hunt in the UP. Um, but yeah, just wanted to get together with him. We haven't really broken down my first couple weeks of deer season yet. So you've pretty much heard it. It's uh, been a shit show and the shit show continues so far. So <laughs> I am really, really looking forward to testing that razor broadhead. I mean, I am too. I I've shot, it does. I've shot the same broadheads for like 10 years now, Ramcat Hydroshocks. And I will tell everybody right now, if something I don't like about these razors in the end. I will be going right back to the Ramcat Hydroshocks because they have never done me wrong, but you know, just trying something different. And, uh, when we, when we did our podcast with Dave from razor broadheads, he was just a super nice guy that I really don't mind throwing some money at, you know, to, to try his product really knowledgeable about his own product and just kind of made the point that you can resharpen these and keep shooting them, which is huge when you blow through deer or, I mean, for me right now, the cost is zero. Besides the broadhead cost, I haven't made any money back, but I, I have faith that I'll run one through a deer here pretty soon. I'm going to do some blood trail footage. I want to do like an autopsy of it and see how that broadhead actually performed on the inside. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying, but don't count me out. I'm not done. It is uh, not even done with the first of the first month yet a season. I have the 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th off. That's my rutcation this year. And I think the first couple of days I'm going to go up north with my cousins, hunt the public land up there. But that always is going to depend first on what is happening down here because I can't talk myself into leaving if I got too much going on here deer-wise. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, we appreciate everybody that has listened so far. Hope you're doing well out there in the woods, being safe, being smart, taking shots you're confident in, um, and, and, you know, having fun just doing it your way. Um, If you haven't yet, please leave us a written review rating on whatever podcast channel you like to listen through. It helps us get listened to by more people, get this out there a little bit further. Um, if you want to send any feedback, I love getting those messages. I forward them on to Kevin and he forwards them on to me. If he gets them, it's been, it's really nice to hear that people are enjoying what we can do, which I don't, I don't think we do too much. <laughs> we just sit here and, have conversations between people that are like-minded and like the same thing. So if we've, uh, if we've kept your attention through all, I think this will be episode 123, Kevin. Wow. If we've kept you that long, no, it's, uh, I mean, some days it does like tonight. It's like, I'd really rather be hunting, but we needed to get one out for everybody to listen to. So we appreciate everybody that's listened so much. Keep doing your thing out there in the woods. Stay safe, stay legal, shoot straight, apologize to nobody, and thank you all. We will talk to you all next week on the Overdrive Outdoors podcast. See you, Kevin. Yeah.